try something a little bit different this morning. Uh, we hope that Google will work. Here we go. And we are where, Mike? We are at New Hope, having a wonderful worship service. Ah, there it is. Yeah, I don't know if you see your car or not, but okay. And now we're going to go to Entebbe, Entebbe, Uganda. It's just kind of the quick way. It, we normally spend about 24 hours getting there. And there is the airport and the landing strip. Okay. And from here we're going to uh, go the way the bird would fly to Subi Mountain. It's up over. It's just due north of Entebbe. And there is Subi Mountain. You can see the little cursor right there. And you can see there where New Hope built right there. That's when we went over in 2004, 27 of us, and we uh, built half of that building right there. Um, had a wonderful time. And Jerry and Donna's house, as you can see where the little pen is, right here, that is where we live. And the production unit is on down, down over the mountain right there. Now this picture is probably at least a couple years old. And so it, it doesn't quite show everything that's happened in the last couple of years. But that's the production unit. Now we're going to go over to Vera, I think. Let's see if we can go to Vera. Vera is, is uh, the second uh, home of the uh, of Watoto. That's the Vera school and the Vera houses. You can see all the round things. That's all the houses. That's the mom of houses. And I think what we're going to Watoto Church next. If I recall properly. That is Kampala. And that's the Watoto Church building. And it must have been a church day because there's lots and lots of cars. Okay. I think next all we're going to go to the source of the Nile River. It's in Jinja. We go there once in a while, but not very often. The little pen right there is the is what they consider the actual source of the Nile River, about 4,000 miles away from the Mediterranean Sea. It's uh, right where it comes out of Lake Victoria and, and heads on its, I forget how many thousand mile uh, creek to the uh, Mediterranean. And we're going to talk also about Gulu, and Gulu is due north. If you remember, Gulu was in the 20-year war. The Lord's Resistance Army came down from uh, Sudan and um, very, very, very bad uh, situation for 20 years. And it's been over now for about two years uh, that the rebuilding process is very, very major. Um, maybe Pastor Joe someday may show you a, a DVD that has to do with Gulu uh, that we gave him from that Watoto made. And it talks about a lot of the hardships, the child soldiers, the, uh, uh, the, the girls who were, uh, were made to be uh, sex slaves and so on. Um, okay, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, what a, what a uh, service this morning. Wow, that was absolutely great. Thank you so much for that. You know, uh, I think about every presentation we do, we show the uh, mist in the mornings. And the reason why I show that over and over and over again 
is that every day when I get up and I go outside, not every day, but many, many days when I get up and go outside, I'm reminded uh, in uh, Proverbs where it says that we are but a mist and, uh, and our lives are but a mist you know, so quickly. And, uh, and how fortunate we are that we can go over and spend some time and to, uh, oops, we kind of went ahead there a little bit. We just love technology. <laughs> there we go. There's the mist again. We said it was very, very quick, didn't we? It was over in a hurry. <laughs> so, and it is, and we need to live our lives, and I try to live our lives every day because we are but a mist, and we have such a short time to do a lot of work. Uh, this is in front of our current home. These are two boys from the community that uh, is privileged to be part of the vocational school, the technical institute it's now called, and they are showing off their first place within their classes. This is the day before we left in Tebby. Uh, Francis is uh, to my left, or to my right. Anyway, the one in the white shirt. And Livingston is uh, on the other side. Livingston is the Technical Institute director. And he is a wonderful prayer warrior. And Livingston drove us to Entebbe, so Jerry did not need to worry about the hassle of traffic. Uh, the left and the right boys, uh, one of them is our sponsored child, and the others are uh, Watoto children as well. Other Watoto children, it cost $420 to sponsor a child, and I believe it takes eight sponsors per child to care for them throughout that year. That seems like a lot of money, but we have to remember that it's the, all the administration and everything has to be paid for because there is very little um, self-sustainability funds. And more Watoto children. Uh, this is a mama's house. Now, most of you have seen these pictures before, but those who are uh, new today, each house contains eight orphan children and one mama. In the Bible, it says that we're supposed to take care of the orphans and the widows. And so the mamas are widows, and of course the orphans are the children who have been left behind. Uh, their parents has gone for war or AIDS or whatever, whatever. Uh, there is uh, nine houses in a cluster or in a group, as you saw the circles a little bit ago. And, um, and of course there is many, many clusters. Uh, right now, Watoto is taking care of uh, well over 2,000 kids. You know, uh, our cell group, uh, every year, uh, our cell group, let me go back a step, I'll get this right. Um, within Watoto Church, there is nine celebration points, and um, within those celebration points, over 20,000, 20,000 people attends church every Sunday morning. So it's quite a big organization. Within there, we have cell groups. We have about 1,700 cell groups. And within each cell group, uh, we are asked to go out into, the, out into the villages, out into the community, and do jobs. And so again, we were blessed with the opportunity to build a mud house for an old man. And uh, here we're starting to build the, uh, dig the post. We have no post hole diggers. We use a spear and we kind of loosen the soil up and then take our hands and dig the soil out. And, and we start to build the house. Go ahead, Mike. 
and we make the mud. We just take the, the soil and we put it into a big pile and pour water into it, mush it around with our feet. I did not do that. Uh, mush around with our feet, make it really muddy, and, uh, and that's what we used to build. build. Uh, we had some cell groups from the mama's homes, and so we had lots of helpers, lots of kids. We kind of put the door in first and set the poles around it, tie reeds, tie reeds to the door. We strip the uh, bark off of the sides of the trees and then uh, use that as the tying thread. So you can see the reeds and tying the, tying the reeds on. And then the structures coming along. Uh, had lots of helpers that day. It was a wonderful time in Bible. So we put them on and they saw off the ends, making more mud and more mud. There you can see where we're packing in between the reeds with uh, broken brick and clumps of mud. And, uh, and then we pack the mud on the outside of the brick and kind of make a mud hut. Uh, the man in the background there is the old man that we're building the building for. They have squatters' rights over there. If you go and you squat on someone's property and you get a house built, then you legally are allowed to stay there. The only way that the owners of that property can get you off is if they buy you off, if they pay to have you removed. But this guy's house blew over. It was destroyed uh, by the wind and the heavy rains. And so once his house was down, then the uh, uh, owner said, ah, your house is gone. Get out of there. And so this guy had no place to go. And so someone gave him a little piece of property, and, uh, and we went and built his house for him. He's a, a Catholic. And these Catholics there are a little bit different than the Catholics here. Over there, they do not believe in Jesus. Catholics and Muslims are kind of like considered the same. And, uh, and so we've been working, our cell group has been working with this guy uh, for several years now and uh, trying to get him to understand Christ. He didn't want us to build a house because he said, ah, there must be something involved. There must be some, some catch somehow. And so... Uh, the community really went forward. This is Teacher David. He is the um, home economics instructor at the Vocational Institute, and he is a wonderful prayer warrior, wonderful man of God, and he is mixing the mud and applying it the same as the children. When Mom was in the hospital here a while back with, uh, with a stroke, uh, David came down to pray with us. And David was praying, you know, it looks like it's, uh, you know, it's her time, Lord, you know, comfort the family and whatever, whatever. And he kept on going for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Then all of a sudden it was just like click. And all of a sudden he said, you know, uh, we praise you for healing her. We praise you for this and this and this. I got a phone call about 10 minutes later and said, boy, mom, for some reason just went and turned around the other way. And she's, she's okay. And it was like. Wow, how did he know that 8,000 miles away? So, yes. Go ahead, David. Or, uh, Mike, whoever you are. The guy in the background there, he's from the community. I'll talk about him a little bit later, but I wanted you to see how the community folks was also helping with this project. And lots of community kids uh, eyeballing and, and, and looking at us, and some of them scared to death of us. And there is the finished house. It's about six foot to eight foot on the inside, and that guy has never had a house like that before, and he was so thrilled. It was from the backside. So about the size of 
many of your bathroom or closet, and that's what they live in. Uh, this is a repeat picture from last year, uh, Jarvis. He is a gentleman from Rwanda. He happened on the mountain some years back and met with Jerry. Uh, Jarvis has AIDS. He's had many surgeries. He has cancer, but he is alive and doing well. Jerry will talk a bit more. Uh, I have an excerpt from a book. And please understand our hearts. This is not a prideful thing. This is not, ooh, look at us or look at Jerry. But these are Jarvis's words. I had a brief encounter with Pastor Gary. He doesn't understand that Jerry's not a pastor. But it was enough to change my life. I always asked my mother why he endeavored to help me instead of giving me work. I could not get the best way of thanking him. The only thing I had to do was gaze at him in disbelief and tell him that if we don't meet again, we shall meet in heaven. He rose up from his seat and told me, No, we shall meet here when you are healthy and you are not going to die of AIDS. We shall meet here again and I will always remember you in my prayers. I was not listening to what he was telling me, for I was thanking God that I have met someone who has shown me that I am still a human being, even if I am positive with AIDS. In my brief encounter with Pastor, I came to understand that this Lord himself who knows us planned that we should spend our lives helping one another. And we have used some of the New Hope money that is given to us every month to help this gentleman to buy uh, medication for his AIDS, to give him medication before he had the very serious cancer surgery. So we thank you for continuing to support us, and much of your money is going to what we feel truly save lives, and as in this situation with Jarvis. You know, um, Jarvis is a, is a situation that Many times we, God, we feel that God is, is giving us a, a person to talk to or a, uh, uh, you know, some, a person to relate to or to say something to. You know, God kind of you know, gives us that kind of nudge. And sometimes we say a little something and we think, boy, that wasn't much. But, you know, I thought that day that when I talked to him about four years ago, but it God, God used me. I said what I thought I should say. You know, I used God's words. It wasn't my words, but it was so insignificant compared to what his needs were. You know, he was he was basically dead standing in that doorway. He looked horrible. And uh, you know, today he's alive, and he writes a book about it. And uh, this book, he, he wanted. He came. He made a special trip to Rwanda to give us some copies of this book. And he said, make sure to give one of these copies to your pastor and to the church. And so uh, we have this copy here. And Adam, the story talks about AIDS, talks about his trip with AIDS and his trip with HIV. And so read the story. And if you can use any parts of that in your, in your teachings for the young ones, you know, that's what this book is all about. 
So we'll give this to your family. Jarvis recently got married about a year or so ago and now has a little daughter. Uh, so he's, he's doing well at this time. Uh, his wife is HIV positive as he is, but the baby is negative. Uh, a year ago, we loaded uh, uh, materials into the container, some planer, and about uh, 40 boxes of material. And a year later, the container finally makes it to Uganda. And this is the container being unloaded off of the truck. Uh, we literally unloaded everything out of the container for the URA, that's Ugandan Revenue Authority, to look at and to write down. Then we loaded it all back into the container. And it sat there for like a month or a month and a half. And we just unloaded it about two weeks before we came uh, back here. So uh, things takes a long time to go through all the red tape over there. Uh, this is our house at about a year and a half ago. Um, Chris is on one side, a gentleman from Amish country, a young gentleman. We are on the other. It's a duplex. We share a front porch. And now this is what our house looks like. Um, Chris is very innovative. He likes to do things. Uh, he likes to pay people to do things. And when we got back last year, this is the attachment that he had built on the front of our home. This is the vegetation that uh, Chris organized to get planted in front of our side. Uh, yellow roses, Jerry knows I like yellow roses, so this is the vegetation on our part. This is my little garden. Uh, I like, like just going out and, and uh, hoeing around a little bit. But we have dry seasons, and so when the dry season comes, uh, the garden kind of goes because uh, so many people has to carry water, and I refuse to water my garden when people has to carry water. So, so this is past the dry season. Now we's able to till it up and and, uh, and get some corn and some beans and things planted again. But by the way, we did have fresh corn and fresh green beans on Christmas morning. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, this is Chris's uh, little garden out back, and he has, um, go ahead, he has papa, and he has bananas. This is a picture of the production unit from our house, and so you remember in Google, you can see the production unit, you can see our house, it's about how far it is away. And this is the man that he hires, this is Roger, and uh, Roger is his caretaker, and we help we give him a little bit of money also just because things look so pretty and we want to keep it looking pretty. Um, a few years back, Watoto Church sponsored, they called it a mass wedding. Three of our workers uh, were able to get married at a very inexpensive cost to them. And this uh, little one, we call her Little Terry, but she's actually quite a chunk of a child, um, is the foreman's child. Frank and Hedula. And there's Frank with a, the most huge grin, I think, and Hedula and Little Terry. Had a guy come from New Zealand. And, uh, you know, it's so awesome to have people come from all over the world and help us and visit us and so on. This guy came over for five and a half months and worked in a production unit. He was a master carpenter. And what a joy it was for him to come and help. Uh, teach the guys uh, so many different tricks and in, in, uh, in how to do different carpentry items. And so I treated him one day and took him down to the equator. 
on the day before Andrew's last day, I organized a surprise party. Our boys love to party whenever possible, and they're always anxious for whatever the reason. And Chris has um, this set of drums, and he volunteered to let us use them. And the boys are playing and dancing. Uh, the gentleman in the blue shirt in the front is absolutely a wonderful dancer, and he's full of muscles and just wonderful. And they, a true Ugandan would have like a grass skirt type thing around them, but obviously the boys did not have it, so they borrowed sweaters from the ladies to tie around their waist. That's an essential part of the dance, I guess. And again, this structure is in front of our house attached to the veranda, and just our boys dancing and enjoying. And uh, these two ladies are very quiet ladies, but they also enjoyed. And you could tell he enjoyed it also. <laughs> this is the baby's home down at Subi. And uh, it's, it's, I think there's two clusters of, of kids there now, two, two rooms full of kids. Much of it is still yet to be done. Uh, this is the baby's home up in Gulu. This was kind of built like a spoke. It's not a very good picture of it, but I couldn't really get someplace to get a good picture. But it's like a uh, center hub with, with the buildings coming out like spokes. Um, this is pictures of babies. Someone mentioned on the way in that they love the baby pictures. I have lots of baby pictures. So here they are in the worst tubs from the worst day. And Andrew loved the babies also. This is up in Gulu. Remember I talked talk about it on Google? Up in Gulu, this is up in Gulu. We love the kids. You may notice uh, some of the children with pierced ears. And initially I thought, my goodness, they're just babies. Why do you pierce their ears? But that is to protect the babies from someone coming in to try to steal them. Uh, there is much excuse me, witchcraft in the country um, offering a sacrifices. And they will not sacrifice a baby that has um, had an infliction of some sort. So they pierce the ears to protect the children. Many of these children have been found in places that we don't even want to talk about. And so they have definitely been rescued from many, many bad situations. And now they're fat and pudgy and, and uh, heading off for a good life. Uh, this is Andrew with a little one, and it is substantiated, I think, that this is a daughter of Coney, the gentleman who was in charge of the Lord's Resistance Army. And now, through all of that terror and everything that he is continuing to do, one of his offspring is in the Gulu baby's home being cared for. And just little tiny things, and when you see them, it's like, oh what their life could have been. And the shoes were a big hit, and one is still walking around, and the others aren't so interested in the shoes anymore. Our tailoring department made all of the nurses the nanny uniforms. Um, obviously, the children are infatuated with something, but the caretaker is just staring absentmindedly, wonder what she's thinking. You know, they, uh, we use charcoal here to uh, cook your hamburgers or your hot dogs or whatever. And this is how they make charcoal over there. 
they take the, the brush or the small trees or the whatever, and they dig a hole, and they, they dump, they chop up the, uh, the brush, and then cover it up with earth and light it. And it takes about 24 hours for it to smolder inside of that. And that's how charcoal is made. And that's, that's one of their main uh, uses. It's their main cooking fuel. It's either charcoal or just plain firewood. This is a picture of the production unit. Um, you can't see part of it, but the new part, what you people have never seen, the new part that you're looking at. And that was built for the mechanics garage. But uh, here in the last month or two, it was decided that the mechanics really wasn't getting along very well and we needed more space very, very desperately in the production unit. So we have now taken over the whole building for a production unit. So we praise God for that. Uh, this is some of the equipment that has been shipped over from the states. Uh, the bulldozer right there in your foreground was bought uh, by people, uh, business people up in Amish country. All of that equipment was shipped over in containers. Uh, this is my timber kiln. I'm proud of my timber kiln. You know, here we go to Kime Lumber or wherever to buy uh, dried timber. Over there, the timber is very, very wet. And uh, I mean, sloppy wet. When you carry it, it makes your shirt wet. And so we have to figure out some way of drying it. And so I was able to build this timber kiln and using solar energy, there's a wood burner I built into the end of it and to the other side of it. Um, and with, you can see the tubes coming out of the backside and some circulating air, and, and it's actually working not bad. So. This is a, an example of our circle time in the morning, our prayer time. Every single day, six days a week, we gather for prayer. This is Katemba. Next picture also. And Katemba is... Uh, he went through vocational training in 06, uh, just a one-year program. He's a Muslim, was a Muslim. And uh, one day we were in circle prayer, and they kind of take turns praying. And, of course, they always pray in Luganda. And I know a few words in Luganda, but not very many yet. And uh, I think Adam knows more words in Luganda than I do, and he was there for two weeks. I've been there for five and a half years. But... Uh, I know a few words, but anyhow, we were praying, and I kept thinking, oh, God, I hope that he's praying, you know, not to Allah or whoever they pray to, but to, you know, Jesus, and, and so I was kind of nervously praying along, and, and it got towards the end of the prayer, and he says, um, in o, o, o Christo, O comma, uh, something, and O Christo means, you know, in Christ's name, and I thought, yeah, you know. This guy has prayed to Jesus, and I was just so happy about that. And so uh, we have several different examples like that. We still have some Muslims that is very, very dear to our hearts that isn't quite there yet. So we have to keep praying and keep working. This is a picture of our storeroom. Um, we cleaned off some of the shelves because we will soon be knocking a hole through those shelves to get into the uh, new part of our shop, uh, a gentleman in charge of the spray room. He probably looks to me the most scary worker that we have out of our 45, but he is very much a sweet man. Idro, um, a gentleman 
nearly one of our oldest men. He's about mid-30s, relatively new worker. The uh, yellow T-shirt was during election time. Yellow was for an 70s party. And this lady, Amelia, uh, was able to win the uh, members of parliament, and she actually came to tour our workshop after she won election. Uh, Two of our ladies, um, they work in the spray room, the sanding department. Can you see how these guys are standing or sitting, I should say? They're flat-footed, and they're kneeled over. Can Can you see that? And they can stand that way for hours. I can't believe that. I can't begin to get down that way. You know, and they, they just, it's just the way we work. <laughs> this guy is Randall. He is from Washington State. He was over about two and a half years ago and spent uh, three months with us. And he agreed to come back uh, to, to be there while Donna and I was here. And so he's there right now. And Donna says that Randall is my third twin. He doesn't look like me. But he is, his thinking and my thinking, we just, it's very uncanny the way that we think together. And he lives clear out in Washington State, so I never met him before until he came to Uganda. But when he came back, he come a running down the hill, and he says, I am home, I am home. He was just so thrilled. So when we get back in seven weeks, he'll probably say, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> um, Lawrence and Francis, Lawrence and Frank, the guy with the baby, was our original first two employees, and Francis was our little baby vocational kid, and they are now very much leaders of the production unit. And of course, Frank. This is Rashid, uh, vocational graduate. Um, I guess the teacher part of me early on understood what a, a gem that Rashid was, but because of no encouragement in his life, he didn't think that he was anything. And he is right up there with Frank Lawrence and Francis. He's also our most accident-prone. He's cut his finger with the end of the router. Uh, A saw blade, one of the chips, flew into his throat. He's also the boy that flipped the pickup truck a year and a half or so ago. Uh, So we give an extra prayer for Rashid for safety. But what God has done in his life, he, I think, is still a Muslim, but now he talks about praying to God. And two days before we left, I always have special time with Rashid, and he said, I thank the Lord every day for you and Uncle Jerry. And I don't think the Lord means Allah. I think that's our Jesus. Other workers... Um, They do a lot of concrete work building cabinetry with bricks. Robert Guma uh, celebrated his 50th birthday a few months ago, and we had just a little gathering at our house for him. Uh, He said he had never had a birthday, and Robert has AIDS. He has lost his wife, and about a year ago, uh, his son to AIDS but he's doing well. We have also used New Hope money to help support him in his endeavor for his medications. Brian is a a Watoto student graduate, is going to university now, but he asked some time back if he could come to the workshop and learn how to do something. 
So he works in our welding department, and on every holiday time, he comes back and uh, continues to work for us. Richard is now in, in, in charge of the, the metal side. And uh, Richard's been with us for four or five years, I think, something like that. And he used to be kind of a lazy, kind of any excuse, very much of a hothead. He could not speak any English. And so, again, through different donations and things, we've been able to send him to night school uh, in Kampala, and he's learning English. And uh, not doing too bad, but uh, he's uh, quite a challenge, but he really, really loves the production units. You can see that big smile there, and, and he just loves it now. He's become a very valuable employee for us. Uh, Abu, wonderful worker, but he's still a Muslim. So we work on him. We show him Jesus' love. So when you guys are looking at these pictures and you happen to be thinking about prayer items, yeah, Abu is a good example of someone you can pray for because I really would like for him to know Jesus. Uh, Bruce, do you see back there in the background in that picture? Yeah, your little job box. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for... Uh, uh, People like Bruce and lots of people in America, our shop would be kind of empty. We depend so much on people to help us out in, in supplying tools and needs and, and uh, money and so on. There, what you can see there is bunk beds that we're building, a window right there in the foreground off to the uh, what right-hand side. And back there in the back, back there, you can see a bunch of round things. That's a bunch of chairs that's been piled up that we're, we're making chairs also. Um, just a picture of a guy welding. People like that flash in pictures. They take these pictures. Grinding at the top of a bunk bed. And cutting metal at the uh, chop saw. We call this one John the Guard because when we first started the production unit, John was our guard. He had a bow and arrow. They call it a bow and harrow. And John was able to catch a few thieves that were running from the top of the mountain down the mountain. And he would run after them and gather them up and keep them for the, the local police to come. Now he works inside the workshop because we have a security group. Watoto has a security group patrolling. Uh, Andrew, being cute with Rashid, I guess, just... Um, showing some of our workers uh, doing work, various machines in the background. A gentleman who suffers from asthma, and again, your money has helped him buy medication. Uh, this is Rashid, who I love dearly, but when I see this picture, it's like, uh, someone must have gotten a new pair of gloves, because if one does, they're like children. They think they all have to have a new pair of gloves. Kato Alex, some of you may remember, we've talked about him many times in the past. He had some heart issues, and New Hope was able to help with uh, all of the doctor visits for that. Then he developed uh, urinary bladder issues. New Hope has helped with that, and he is better, but he's still continuing to seek treatment for that. Another welding. Uh, a little bit larger view of production unit, uh, building um, furniture for the clusters. Uh, Grace in our storeroom, uh, the green cabinet Jerry made for me back in 1980 to put in my classroom at school. And when I retired, we put the cabinet in the container and took it to Uganda. 
making couch and chair parts and the finished bunk beds in the background. Alfred, one of our 45 workers, um, briefly, uh, there is much thieving in the neighborhood and someone broke into his house, went in, locked the door from the inside. Alfred and the thief, uh, they called it boxed for two hours. Alfred was able to get out, ran to the police to get help, but by the time he came back, the community had taken the law in their own hands and had beaten the gentleman to death. So the police had to charge someone. So Alfred went to jail for about four or five days before he was released. So the, the justice system is has much to be desired. Uh, this is the same man that I said he, he looks the most scary, and that's how he looks some days when he's spraying uh, shelving of some sort there. And John the guard sanding, sanding, sanding. The day that we left, we had uh, a circle prayer again. And then, of course, all the Ugandans had to come to us individually and give us a hug and cry and tell us how much you're going to miss us and so on. And so it was kind of a hard time. Gilbert, the guard. Who is actually the guard now. You know, it's kind of scary, all the guns over there. All the guards have guns. If you go to the grocery, they have a gun. If you go to the to get fuel in their, in their motor car, they have guns. Every place you go to church, and, and there's like four or five guards, and you walk through a metal detector to go to church. You know, so it's kind of, this is our, this is where our meals are prepared. This is our cookhouse. And it's, of course, of beans and rice. And this is how excited I am as far as eating my beans and rice. We just keep on working. This is the payday. And we will take this money, of course, and divide it up into uh, uh, the pay. The workers, the average wage in Uganda is about a dollar, a dollar and a half a day. We pay our workers from, the, from, from $2 a day up to about $11 a day. And so some of our work, we tried to get them up, way up above the scale. At Christmas time, uh, we were invited to have a match. They call it football. We would call it soccer against the mechanics and the construction people. So these are our boys put together. Um, they don't really care about rules in a sense. So if you want to run up and down on the field with the players, even though you're not playing, it's quite all right. The kick way up in the air. Uh, Betty, maybe some of you remember, is our caretaker. Uh, when Randall came back, he said, I'm very surprised that Betty is still with you but she's kind of like the students I taught for years and years, and you just need to see within them the goodness that they have and then build on that goodness. So Betty is still with us. A community lady who walks from way down all the way up to the mountain to get a jerry can of water. Children who also walk all the way up to get water. Remember the guy that I told you that we would come back to Back in 05, our cell group went down into the village and we witnessed to several houses. I think I remember telling you guys about that. And several people gave their lives to Christ. Well, then you don't hear anything about it. And so when we were down building that house, one of the teachers said, this is one of the men that gave his life to Christ. 
five years ago. And he says, uh-uh. He said, yeah. And he says, go ahead. He says, you know this little church? Well, this is their church, okay? He says, he's one of the elders in this church. Well, whoa. So it definitely, uh, you know, when we plant a seed, it definitely moves along. Uh, had an occasion this uh, last fall. I was just about totally beside myself. And so Donna sent me to South Africa for about four nights. And this is the place where we stayed. And we went on this 4,000-acre farm, and we rode around in this cart and had lots of exotic animals. Very, very barren uh, area, very rocky area. It was very beautiful. Had some, some of those things, giraffe. And he also did breeding. And we really roughed it. We really had a hard time. <laughs> this is uh, some of the friends that we have. Very, very strange looking animals. Looks like he has a six on his side. And there he finally got up so we could see his true colors. And that's a cow and a termite mound. Termite mounds are all over the place. Uh in Kampala, that's how you buy things many times. Empty of soda bottles. They don't use the word pop. Just um, a typical street scene, except not a lot of people on it that day. A little more typical of Kampala. Many of you have asked us uh, where we are. Is it dangerous? How safe are you? Um, in Kampala, there are riots, usually two times a week. It's from the gentleman who lost the elections in February. But he announces the days that they are going to have walk to work. They are protesting the cost of petrol, which is about 7 or $8 a gallon. America is blessed at four. Um, but he... This gentleman starts to walk to work, and then people follow him, and then the rioting starts. The um, threats from Somalia, because um, they are doing terrible things to their people in Uganda, is sending troops that direction. That threat is always there for Uganda as well as the Americans who are there. We tend to stay on the mountain. There are sometimes Jerry doesn't go for six, seven weeks at a time. But our workers, uh, Frank especially, must go to buy materials, so it is a dangerous situation. Frank was uh, in Kampala at least twice with the tear gas and the bullets flying, and he was able to call production unit as he was running for safety. Please, I need prayer. We instantly stop. We pray for him. So we are safe because God has blessed us of not being in Kampala at those times. Uh, we certainly hope that it gets better, but right now, currently, that's the situation. And again, just more shops along the way. Your local Walmart. Uh, this is like on the edge of Lake Victoria, and this is where they bring the fish, fish in. And then the buyers come and they auction the fish. And the next picture is the fishing boats. This is what they go out in. So it's not like the deadliest catch. You just go out in this, these little rowboats or little motorboats. Smoking the fish, there's no refrigeration, things like that, so they smoke the fish uh, to help it uh, keep longer. This is a typical wiring that you see a lot of times. I do not allow this. 
but I do see it sometimes. The uh, typical wheelbarrow situation, they do not last very long. Uh, one of Watoto's trucks, this is up in Gulu. This is looking out the guest house where we stayed up in Gulu. Those would be homes, and this, uh, when the LRA was uh, killing many people in the north, the people would walk several miles to safety. Internally displaced persons, IDP camps, and because they've lived there, many of them, for 20 years, they see no hope in the future. They still live there, but Watoto is trying to bring them out, teach them skills, bring them to church, so they will start to have a life and to learn. Just a picture up in Google. Denial, as um, our team would have crossed over this bridge, it's a protected bridge because it's the only bridge across the Nile, and terrorists could come in and blow up the bridge, and then that would cut off the northern part of Uganda. The Nile just has special meaning for me, just amazing. One of the self-sustainability projects that Watoto is doing is they're now raising goats. Like somebody put money forth that we could build a building. In a building, we're going to have about 200 goats. Um, we, uh, we got some milking equipment from up in Amish country and shipped over in a container. And so they're going to be having goat, goat milk for the baby's home as well as the homes and then sell the extra in Kampala. So goats are so cute. The last day as we were leaving, uh, Donna was giving Francis some last minute instructions and, and uh, he's our baby and we love him much. And as the, as the day sets in, uh, in Uganda, you guys are just getting ready for lunch. And so uh, it, it kind of amazes me if when we see this, you guys are eating lunch. But uh, we know that you're thinking about us, and we're definitely thinking about you. Uh, we had a volunteer staying with us who was reading a book, and he just read these words to me, and they spoke to my heart. And I guess it somewhat is how Jerry and I feel. We went for three months. We're still there five and a half years later. Many people don't understand that calling, and we do not understand that calling. But this quote just gripped me. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And we hope that Jerry and I are those people God has chosen from New Hope to go to Africa, to come alive and to spread his goodness and to save people for Christ as well as teach our 15 vocational students, but to honor him in what we do. Thank you, New Hope, so much. Uh, we're going to ask them to come down here and stand. We're going to ask for Bruce and Daryl uh, to come down and anoint them and gather around them to continue to pray for their safety and fruits of their labor. We'll give them a chance.